0: Russ
1: Baden here with Rule Bubble Radio. This is episode 53, you lie! Rhetoric in large groups.
2: So, uh, yeah. That that was beautiful, man. Thank you. I sit over here in awe of the artistry I have just witnessed.
1: Uh, okay. Yeah. Alright. Um, a little bit sarcastic there, Tom. A, a little heavy on that.
2: Yeah, I was laying it on pretty thick.
1: Pretty... Anyway, uh, yeah, sorry, uh, we we just uh, had a comment on the main podcast of uh, someone complaining of pod fade. No!
0: We were, we were fading
1: away to the. We shall never fade away uh we are uh we're
2: like herpes we keep coming back
1: yeah we uh we have moved to a monthly schedule for right now we are well we're gonna try and go back to a bi-monthly schedule uh twice a month uh for the main podcast of course our actual play podcast is weekly uh i mean sometimes it's a little late sometimes it's a little early uh but you know four episodes a month Uh, it all
2: depends on how badly ross cares
1: i I care i care so much about you guys you guys are so awesome you guys he does care um but yeah, the main podcast we are we are going to keep doing it obviously forever and ever, and uh, we've just been very busy with a lot of projects here. So uh, just to let you guys know, uh, you know, aside from the holidays and everything, uh, I've been working very hard on the Ruins of Lemuria PDF Ransom. Uh, I've been running games over Skype now. I've run I think three or four games now. Oh yeah, three games, uh, four hour games uh, for Ransom contributors um, to this last weekend actually. Uh, a new scenario for monsters and other childish things that I will put up on the Actual Play podcast. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, I've been writing the, you know, Lemuria PDF, which is obviously time consuming. Uh, Tom's been very busy, you know, uh, we've both been busy over the holidays, of course. Um, oh, yeah. So that, that goes without saying. And uh, finally, I am finishing, putting finishing, finishing touches on my third book as a published author uh author uh, zombies of the world which uh, will be out this summer and my
2: be, god he's a triple published author. i know
1: it will be an amazing book that will revolutionize the way you think of zombies and uh i cannot recommend it enough and buy
2: uh, <laughs> his book
1: buy my book uh of course well, we're gonna really focus on that you know i'm gonna set up my own uh, site and blog for that for Zombies of the World dot com. So don't, don't, you know, this RPPR is still going to be focused on gaming and everything. I'm not going to neglect that. Uh, it's just, uh, I've been trying to get the books sent off to the printers. So that takes a lot of work, believe it or not. Uh, writing is hard work and so is editing.
2: Writing and, is hard! Yeah, and layout Makes Ross want to go poopy.
1: Uh... That's the, the, it's just. I, I think the listeners come back because of our rapport, you know, our intelligent yeah. and witty banter. Mm. Like, you know, I, I'm talking about you know, the difficulties of being right. You had yeah, raspberries and poopy. You know, that's that's what they look for. That's what the discerning listeners of RP. Hey, I went to for. college. I I didn't say that you didn't, Tom. I'm just. I see it, but I, was I, I
2: see how you look at me.
1: <laughs> I'm just. Commenting. You look at me
2: like, look at that hamster. I'm
1: just merely observing the the level of wit and sophistication that
2: here and i like the way you enunciate <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right um so that that's the rppr news of course we're always very active on the forums um if you have any questions or anything please go to the rppr forums we'd be happy to answer them we did get some readers letter emails you know who sends letters anymore um
2: archaic mail
1: yeah exact snail mail if you will uh we will uh have happy to answer your questions the rppr community will be uh Embrace all those who listen to this, and embrace our uh, uh, quirky little sense of humor and everything. So,
2: then we are quirky.
1: Yeah. Um, so let's see. Here. Let's, let's. So what is this? This episode about? This episode we're going to be talking about two sort of uh, topics that kind of touch upon each other. They kind of there's the, you know, the Venn diagram. Uh, rhetoric in large groups, and um, we. Yeah. You know,
2: in in you know in commemoration of the fact that the State of the Union is tonight.
1: Yes. Uh, so 2011. 2011. Uh, so
2: what the hell was that?
1: Again, wit and sophistication—that's what we're looking for. Like,
2: so you occasionally have to break into Juan ghosts,
1: <laughs> and I say poop. Yes, yes exactly. Um, the Ray. What, 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 what's the American? What was the American title for Juan? The Grudge. You know? The Grudge. Yes, people, the, you might know it is The Grudge. We, of course, yeah. Thanks on, to
2: Ross, it. I was had the privilege of watching the Japanese version first.
1: I was obsessed with that shit. Well, well was, was. <laughs> come on um, but
2: that is a story for another time
1: so um there, rhetoric uh is an interesting topic in gaming now when we talk about rhetoric we're talking about your ability to ability to speak to communicate mm-hmm. effectively and not uh, so to much your and not so much your words uh,
2: but not not so much your character's ability
1: well yeah we're talking rhetoric where we mean you as a player so at what the question then becomes you know what role does your ability uh uh what your effect your skill in rhetoric uh have in the game what role should it have and this is an interesting Man. game design uh game mastering and player issue so and, uh,
2: let's be honest some of us didn't do that well in public speaking in school
1: this is true this is true um so we we have to uh, how do you keep a game fair with different levels of rhetoric and all that good stuff so um uh, Tom, you you, you you sort of have your own sort of philosophy on that one. Sorry.
2: I do. Um, once again, I do not think that you are a horrible monster. Because I do believe that important, you know, conversations should actually be had. That the die rolling should be at, the, at a bare minimum when it comes to one player trying to convince another player. I don't think it has to... I don't believe it has to entirely be all spoken out, but if you're going to try to convince a player to do something that has a mechanic to do it, you've got to actually articulate at least the basic idea of what you're trying to get across.
1: Well, and not just, I mean, uh, so what about NPCs, though? I mean, does the same rule apply, or is it what's the I difference know. between trying to persuade and, NPC well,
2: between NPCs between NPCs? don't—it's does it's not as important. I mean, I actually think it's one of the better parts of role-playing to do it. Mm-hmm. But if it's if you're trying to convince an NPC, I think, OK, in the case of a d and a simple diplomacy role, as long as like you say, OK, what are you saying to him? Like, uh, like, you know, say you're trying to convince the guard to let you pass. So you say, I think it's, is, it would be enough to just say, um, I try to convince him that I am on the guest list to this, you know, shindig and well, my name should be on there. Mm-hmm. So, OK, well, then make your bluff check. And if you do it, then you go through. Yeah, you know, when it, when it comes down to that, that I think is where the mechanics work just fine. Mm-hmm. But trying to convince a player who is sitting right across from you to do something, mm-hmm. you've got to you got to have some you know, force behind your words. Right. And I so I, I think and um, if a play, if a player is not that good at it, I think he should take that keep that take take that into account when he tries to convince a player of something. Honestly, I think that's the way it should happen.
1: Well, I mean, uh, there there are many different roles uh, uh, views of that. Um, Now, do you think that? uh, And one on one end, you have the uh, being able that the rhetoric is totally different from the game, totally separate. So, if a player wants to convince another player, they actually have you know, if one PC, uh, if one player wants his PC to convince the you know the other PC, you know, the bard wants to convince the fighter to go attack that dragon then the player the bard player has to convince the fighter player to convince you know to mm-hmm. do that now on the other hand you have a lot of indie games where you can they have mechanical systems to support like well I can persuade you to do this. And if you don't do this, then you gain penalties. You don't get benefits. You know, I know. Um, I, I, there are systems that I sort of blur them. But they're like, if you don't do this, you lose willpower, you lose benefits, you lose blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And if you do do this, you gain story benefits. I think fate, a lot of them, they have, you have to spend bennies or some sort of points, you know, in order to uh, burn, you know, to, to ignore the, the, the uh, fail. Yeah.
2: I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's just, to me, it's so not... What
1: would what, what would you allow? You know, the bard player in this situation, bard player wants to convince the fighter player to attack a dragon. Dangerous task. Or, you know, it, it could be anything. Um, should you... What would you... How would you roll that? It's not assuming that, you know, anything's been rolled yet, that the two players well, are trying to do this.
2: If it had to finally come down to a roll, because it was actually vital to the game...
1: Well, would it come down to a roll to your game?
2: Really, it all depends on the group. Okay. I mean, if... If you play, to me, if you're playing with a group that's actually really tight, it's been playing together a long time, mm-hmm. and you know that, say, this the person actually playing the bard is in real life not a good speaker. Right. But, you know, you would take that into account that, uh, that you know, you're not talking to your, you know, the guy you know from whatever. Mm-hmm. You're talking to his character. Right. And his character is a charismatic, silver-tongued guy. Right. So I think as long as you as long as you keep the role playing thing in, intact, I mean he the, the guy doesn't have to doesn't have to have a silver tongue right doesn't have to be you know a brilliant speaker but you as long as you take into account okay well his character is
1: right well, I understand that but how would you run it like would you just let the play would you just sit back uh, well and let in, the that players ca- in that case in
2: that in that case I would okay but if I was in a, like say I was in a group I'm not familiar with right. Then I think I, fi- I think I would eventually make it come down to a role if it was clear that it's, it was actually really important that this be you know, resolved. Okay. But if it's, you know, I would say, if it's clear that the, say, you're in case the fighter is just not going to do it, mm-hmm. he's like, you know, no, I'm not going to go attack this dragon, I'm mm-hmm. just, it's not going to happen. I'm finally going to say he's unconvinced. But I do it in such a way that says, "Well, he's so thick-headed, Right. you know," and you know, it says, "You know, he's obviously not going to do this." Now,
1: would you step in the other way? Say the bard wants to convince the fighter to do something, but the bard just says, "I'm so bad. I, I just I convince him. Literally, that's all he says. There's something very, very minimal. It doesn't try any. Absolutely at all. not. And Absolutely. the fighter agrees to it."
2: Okay, well, in that case, if the... F- but
1: the fighter agrees to it, even though he was, like, now, if absolutely- the, okay,
2: Well, if the fighter agrees to it, then, to me, the issue is resolved. Okay. Like, well, okay then. You made, you made my job very easy.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, it's... I totally believe it's the, it's the players... You know, the players should try to work it out first. Mm-hmm. You know, I think me as the GM should only step in in something like that if it's clear that this will not be reserved without an actual fist fight breaking out. Right. So I'm only going to step in when game continuity or you know game cohesion is threatened.
1: Okay. So what do you think of uh, 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 systems like the Duel, uh, duel of Wits or social combat systems where you use game mechanics to represent you know uh, uh, rhetorical arguments? You know. Um, uh,
2: well, I do say okay. Uh, when we played Dogs in the Vineyard yeah. earlier, I like that I, that system for it. Right. Because it still requires a bit of you know. Uh, rhetoric on your part so if but there's a but there's a mechanic there's a that makes a lot of sense okay
1: so what do you say to the player who doesn't who is very uh hates trying hates public rhetoric in real life he does not like speaking he doesn't like persuading can't do it very well or he's just very uncomfortable doing it and he just wants to negate this to mechanics like, well, I use Duel of Wits, I use... Those, well, okay, those, actually, those.
2: to be honest, in that case, I would actually question... Uh, Have you
1: encountered people like
2: that? A couple of times. Okay. Mainly in my, my old high school group. Yeah. But, you know, it, to me, okay, if there's a player like that who clearly is not good at that, then, in the beginning, I would question his choice to make a highly social character.
1: Right.
2: Because, like, I'd be like... I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no well, to, even,
1: assuming he's not, a you know, a bard, let's just say he or he uses a charm spell or, or, or something... Let's just say he's just doing it normally. He's not even, like, min-maxed for that, you know?
2: Then I, I...
1: He's just trying to be more persuasive in character than he is in the game. He's just trying to reduce rhetoric. He's trying to re- uh, eliminate rhetoric in the
2: game. Once again, it would, it would come down to the importance of the role, what he's trying to convince a player about. Right. Or if an he, NPC. Or it, an NPC. If if, he, if it's something minor, I would... I am not above just saying, okay, just, uh, all right, make your role.
1: I mean, do you think... Uh, I guess I can down, Do you think... Rhetoric is a required player skill. Like, should players have to expect that they have to have, engage in some rhetoric, that they have to do some persuasive speaking in the game? To me,
2: I think you have to do some to actually role play. Okay, in my opinion, that you yeah to act in character, even if even if you're a, char- if you're a terrible speaker, or your character is a terrible speaker, you have to articulate that. Mm-hmm. And I think, and just players have to get along in character. They have right. to interact in character. Just to, like, to actually be a role-playing group, in my opinion. Right. If they can't do that, then that's, it's not a group I want to be a part of.
1: Okay. Um, because, you know, a lot of people, you know, say, make the argument, for example, that, well, I'm not a, you know, seven-foot barbarian. I can't binge-press a small, mm-hmm. you know, Volkswagen mm-hmm. and cut, you know, dragons in half with my sword in real life. So, but I can role-play one. You know, uh, or I can play. Yeah, you know, I can. Uh, or I can play special forces commando. Or I can do. I can do things. But why it are, is rhetoric singled out as something that I actually have to do?
2: I, actually, I have a. I have. A, I have my own reason for that.
0: Okay.
2: Because no one in your group is that badass. Right. Absolutely. You can't. You know, there's to say like, well, I'm not this. No. No one is. <laughs> I have never played in a group. With like an ex a special forces guy <laughs> or a hue, a seven foot tall muscle bound guy that actually is an expert at wielding a sword, yeah. none of your players are that
1: Or nuclear science. well they're probably nuclear scientists i'm sure uh, well
2: fine actually if, if you have a, if you have a guy in your group that is, is a nuclear scientist and then plays one in the game
1: yeah
2: fine have at it
1: yeah, but for example, uh I guess the role is uh, uh the, you know the question is um so you're you're saying rhetoric is required but like if the nuclear scientist says, "Well, I want to use my knowledge of science to disarm the bomb even though my character is a janitor with no skill."
2: No. Actually, it's I say it still has to be on your sheet.
1: Okay. So it has to be on your sheet. So, but you you think all players regardless should expect to have to use rhetoric in their
2: Some sheet. at least a little. Okay. At least be able to have a conversation in character. I think is the bare minimum. If you can speak to an another player as your character and not, it, doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be a great acting job, but just, you know, just speak to you, in character to a player for um, you know, 30 seconds to a minute. If you can do that, then I think you're, you're set.
1: Okay. Um, because, again, it comes down to uh, this idea of what, you know, how is uh, rhetoric different from everything else, every other skill, every other thing that you represent in a game. Mm. What are the skills that a player should be expected to have in a game? Uh, how fair is it to, requ- to single out this one skill? Uh, or this one ability, and uh, again, I think uh, a lot of indie people think that that, or some people, I don't want to, I don't want to generalize. Uh, some some believe that that's unfair, that you're singling out people who are socially socially awkward or very poor at rhetoric, and uh, not giving them a chance to role playing. You know, the person who doesn't like speaking at all. You know, the very shy person. Um, well, that's
2: also well, that's that comes down to having a the shy player, right? Which that person's probably not going to make the bard. And,
1: well, yeah, but even if he doesn't make a bar, even if he makes a wizard, at some point the wizard's going to have to make some sort of you know rhetorical check, like "Don't throw me in prison," "Don't kill me," you know. Well, or, uh, I've
2: never been in a okay. I've never been in a game where even I played with some shy people. Yeah, but I've never played in a game where, after about an hour or so of playing with the group and getting comfortable, they don't come out a little and talk some. Right. I have never been in a game where a player has just been silent all the game. Right. And to me, I don't – it's not my – It's it could very well happen, but I have – to me, it's never happened. I, to, to me, I don't think players do that, no matter how shy you are. Eventually, if you're with a group and, you know, you see it's getting along, you're eventually going to at least come out – open up a little. So I don't even think that's an issue. All right. Uh, and if you play with – honestly, if you're in a group with someone that just sits on the side, only, you know, only nods and rolls the dice when he's supposed to when it's his turn and says nothing – the people in the group aren't going to want him in there.
1: All right. Well, I mean, some. I mean, some groups will uh, tolerate that. I
2: some, gr- gr- not not know. many that I. Or they would like, or if they, they wouldn't throw him out, they say, "All right, uh, dude, man, you, you you've been sitting there for three hours, man. Yeah. I'd actually be like. Are you okay?
1: Yeah. All right." Um, because uh uh there is there is this challenge and then you know it comes down to what do you think a a, a role playing game should require what are the required skills to play it um and you know there there are a lot of different answers uh, some people uh think that it should be uh, uh that right or right that it should in order to be fair to be neutral that it has to be more balanced to accommodate this but um well i've always looked
2: at role playing as playing pretend with rules
1: right. And the way I've always played
2: pretend when I was a kid, yeah, you got to talk. <laughs> that's just how, that's just how it goes. All right, yeah. You know, when I was out in my backyard when I was seven, mm-hmm. playing G.I. Joe, and I was you know playing whatever G.I. Joe I, or I was Cobra. I, I always
1: played a member of Cobra. Of course, you would.
2: You know, I I have to articulate foolish Joes. You will never stop me. Right. You know, everyone everyone gave in that when they were playing pretend for real. Same thing with role playing. Okay. When you have your character sheet. You're still playing pretend.
1: Okay. Um All right. So that's thats I think you know. Sort of gets uh, uh, our. I mean, to be honest, I, I sort of agree with you. I think uh, that it, it, rhetoric is a required skill of role playing. In order to role play, you have to possess some well, rhetoric. You cannot just well, even because, for NPCs. Well, role
2: playing is a social activity.
1: It is. It is. Um, and. But it's not just PC versus PC. It's PC versus NPC. Because a lot of times I think uh, uh, to say a duel of wits versus an NPC diplomat, I think even that should not – uh, I, I would emphasize more role playing. For example, you know, when I tend to do it in the New World campaign, I would actually make an argument. You know, the player would have to make another argument, mm-hmm. and then after several go abouts, then we'd roll the dice. Or uh, sometimes
2: you would require more than one roll.
1: Right. I mean, there, there. From a, also from a game, I mean, there is there is a legitimate thing. Even if you have people with rhetor- rhetorical skills, uh, the problem is the stakes of the players are not matching what the characters are in the fictional world. Like, you know, no one's life is at stake, you know, if you're trying to debate somebody in a court case, yeah. in a in a game. So, like, the person playing the GM uh, could always say, well, no one buys it. The jury doesn't buy it. You're, <laughs> nobody- Objection! Yeah, exactly. You can't, uh, uh, at a certain point, people can become deadlocked, gridlocked, say, you know, just refuse to budge and say, no, I'm right. No, you're right. Hey, I'm I've right. seen
2: 12 Angry Men.
1: Right. Well, no, they actually changed their minds over time. Um, but well, haven't you been in games where, like, like either the GM or a play and a player or two players just get absolutely gridlocked, you know, just deadlocked against one another, and they just refuse to budge, and the game just dies because neither actually, will. Especially
2: pre- when it's, especially it's happened to me when it's been, but you know, hell, pl- we have in the New World campaign. But it's like when it, when it's a player in the case of NPCs, a player versus one of the GM's pet NPCs.
1: Yeah, exactly
2: that you know like our high school games were just loaded with those right.
1: and you could not persuade the high the 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 mary sue uh PC, npc's to do something that you want them to do and the gm just refuses to give uh, so and that
2: leads to de-litching
1: right exactly i'm not going to i mean and, I will, that, and that's bad GMing up. because they wouldn't allow mechanical or rhetorical argument you couldn't like be persuasive in real life because you know they just you know we're not that great. You know we're not you know master orators, or, uh, uh, and there's no mechanical argument you could because he's a GM he'll just overrule you. But like uh, as a GM, do you feel like it's your role to allow the dice to have some say in rhetoric? I mean like would you you know like say there's a very let's look at the opposite end very persuasive player. You know very like he's a law he's a lawyer or something like that. Anyways, mm-hmm. very silver tongue. Um, do you let him play a barbarian who is very socially awkward, yet he can make very persuasive arguments and ju- thus get away with anything? Or I mean, like how at what point just, okay, do you, do you uh, say, okay, okay, you're very okay, persuasive? Okay, but, okay,
2: in my opinion, yeah, okay. you have to talk it out. Yeah, but I believe you also have to have the stats and the skills to back it up. Right. You know, I don't care, you know, how well you speak. Yeah. If you're playing, you know, a barbarian with an intelligence of eight who can yeah. barely articulate, I'm like, uh, well, you're like i don't how's your, how is your character saying this right in fact, that's what I would say like if it you say you had like a like a the lawyer p c who's a lawyer in real life yeah the playing a barbarian player. to which I would say uh well, like well uh you yeah, well, you're not role playing a barbarian, yeah, you're playing you okay so uh and i'm sorry. i say you know your character has to have the skills and stats to back it up okay,
1: so even if he gives a very logical argument, let's say it's a you know a very logical- you know mm-hmm. argument. Uh, to do something you would not allow that after a certain point or would you you know he says all right i make this incredible argument you know he actually makes a very persuasive argument uh, uh, and then says let me make a diplomacy check and give me a bonus because it was such a fucking great argument or he just says they they can't say no to me
2: no i i still think i would need to i need to take into account the kind of character he's playing okay i think everyone should also take that into account too just you know i think as a play, as as another player who's watching this i have um, dude, this is the guy that like, dude, this is the guy that isn't even literate. Yeah. You know why? Like, like where? Like where? Like like where does where does verily come from? Or you know habeas corpus? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs>
1: okay, he's just like oh yes, he must have used these words. Ah, uh, <laughs> damn him, that imaginary lawyer player. Oh, I hate that douchebag. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. You yeah, if you have like you know a case, no nothing in you know a lore skill. Or your know, diplomacy, or if you start throwing out, you know, in the case of the you know, nuclear scientist, mm-hmm. you know, if you know, yes, he may know, he may actually know how to disable a nuclear bomb in his job, but if he doesn't have, you know, a nuclear like NBC warfare technician on his sheet, yeah, like, well, you may know, but uh, you know, you know, mixed back, Ernie he, Hudson does, or Ernie Hudson does not. He has hepatitis C.
1: Yes. Um, all right. All right, uh, I think that 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 is a, a good stopping point for this part of uh, uh, the episode. Let's—I'd like to hear from the listeners. You know, like post on our forums about this. Uh, what you think about the role of rhetoric in games? I mean, we've had a lot of rhetoric in the New World campaigns. We have issues where players can't—you know, argue, you know, yeah—dinner party episode, um, I think but episode and, sixteen.
2: But we've we've had just some really good moments with no roll with no die just. Players speaking to each right. other.
1: So, yeah, I think what is the role of rhetoric to you in role playing? Um, so, uh, to get onto the other, you know, to segue seamlessly into our next thing, um, the next part where our group is talking about large groups. This has been brought up several times. Uh, in the emails and forums, um, and I've actually wrote a uh, article about this for Nights of the Dinner Table. I think it's issue 125. It's called Crowd Control, so we're uh, call this part thing yeah. Crowd Control as well. But
2: it's recently we it's come up again, so we think it's kind of relevant to mention it now.
1: Yeah, um, because uh, the backstory is uh, I we've uh, you know we finished the New World campaign, um, and then our Dark Sun campaign has actually kind of petered out because. Uh, we just kind of got, we, we've been playing d d for like two years, so we decided we wanted a different change of genre. Yeah. And we kind of, Cody and I kind of painted ourselves into corners with this switching DMV. Well, just, yeah, it, it
2: got to the point like, you know, we're playing like, fuck, we don't have enough breadcrumbs to get home.
1: Yeah, well, there are too many breadcrumbs. There are too many, like, plot hooks, too much was being given out and we were all... Because adding... well,
2: each person wanted to run their own game.
1: Yeah, they kept adding on instead of building on the existing links, so um, we still have a few more episodes to post. Yeah.
2: The game became really... urban sprawl, if yeah. you will.
1: <laughs> nice, uh, desert sprawl, yeah. yeah. uh, desert for dark sunification. I, I don't even know. Um, so yes. we uh, took a we took a took a vote and figured out the next game we're going to do is a superhero game.
2: One we haven't done too much of. Yeah,
1: we haven't done you know a modern kind of sci fi based game. Um, and superhero-based. And so we're using Wild Talents, the one-roll engine superhero game from Arc Dream, uh, which, of course, Arc Dream, you know, one-roll engine the same engine that, uses, that monsters and other childish things uses. Um, and Rain and a bunch of other things. Fear games. Itself. And Dirty World um, uses one-roll engine. So Fear yourself.
2: Did I say that? Yeah, did you? I Not did. Right. I might have.
1: Um, so no, but no, no, that's gumshoe. But anyways, uh, wild talents. Uh, so we're doing sort of a four color Marvel street level game. So things like Spider Man, a little bit of Batman, Daredevil. Yeah, uh, you know. I don't
2: know the what we face so far. Uh, that's pretty Gotham.
1: Um. Well, yeah, a little, yeah, but you know, darker. Well, but then again, but like the then
2: again, we're also. Adults here. I don't so. know. I
1: mean, like uh, Spider, like the Kingpin threw a lot of super powered goons at you know the he, at Spider Man. Mm-hmm. So you know, kind of like that. You know, um, so we have a thread oh. on the RPPR forums uh, called the Heroes of New Arcadia, and that's what we're calling it. Um, and the thing is, we have seven players for this game, um, and so the first session we had all seven there. And, and uh, well, well, actually, we had one person who was no longer in the campaign, and we had we have one player jumped in later, so we. Which but fact? still seven. Yeah, still seven. Um, and
2: um, so I will say – a clusterfuck. Uh, yeah, clusterfuck is exactly the word I would use.
1: Um, because uh, I wasn't prepared. I honestly invited everybody because I thought uh, – A lot of people wouldn't show. <laughs> I thought at least a that's few standard, people would show. That's shoot. par for the course <laughs> yeah, usually. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but everyone did. And so it was kind of a clusterfuck. We'll, we'll, of course, post this as the beginning of the campaign. Um, but it was kind of a tutorial session, too. And every, nobody was really used to Wild Talents yet.
2: In fact, I think most of us had to use a program to make our characters.
1: Right. There's an Excel spreadsheet, uh, that helps carriage in progress. Well, the thing is, even with that, you have to know the system pretty well. And we've learned it by now, but we hadn't learned it, you know, then. So, uh, the problem was, um... I wasn't prepared for that. I wasn't prepared for everyone showing up, and I wasn't prepared for a rowdy group because Kate, uh, Cody and Caleb were actually pretty uh, 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 loud in how they viewed certain well, wasn't, characters. Like,
2: was booze brought that night?
1: No, no, no. no, no.
2: I can't – well, it's, it's it. they blend together nowadays.
1: Cody Cody was very vocal in expressing his disapproval of characters that he believed weren't street level, um, one that I improved of. And uh, you, you'll hear in the actual play. But, you know, and also just everybody was talking. And so it was a very chaotic, very kind of noisy game, very – but, I mean, it, it was overall a success. But, yeah, it could have been better. So uh, – and this has been brought up before. Like how do you deal with large groups? Um, and I have been in games with large numbers of players, I've been in a game that would have had 10 players, that was a success, but it requires careful thought, and, and uh, planning and discipline, so, uh, I, I, what, what are your experiences with, uh, I, well,
2: yeah, that, well, I've had a bad experience with, uh, it was a Rifts game, actually, a uh, Coalition-based, and, uh, and that's, all I really, that's all I remember of most about it, because you now it's Palladium, and the GM wasn't very good. <laughs> but there were 12 players one night. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, there was the core group. There was, like, like, seven of us. Yeah. But then a bunch of friends of other players showed up. And also, the GM was really passive. Yeah. Didn't, you know, kind of, oh, okay, sure, they can come too. Yeah. You know, so first of all, we had to, we had to get the leaves, the, the, the leaves for the table to expand yeah. it. There wasn't enough chairs. So they are bringing over, like, milk crates and shit. And, you know, and I'll say that what I remember is, I actually timed it out. One combat session we did, like one combat round, was 32 minutes.
1: For 12 players, that's actually pretty good.
2: Yeah, that's, but... But it's still
1: 32 that's minutes. That's still
2: 32 effing minutes. Yeah. Which is supposed <laughs> to be... Really? Yeah. Okay, 32 yeah. fucking minutes! There are you, you pleased now? Again,
1: wit and sophistication. Our VPR listeners are very discerning.
2: yes. <laughs> but, you know, and, of course, this is a, you know, a Palladium combat round, yeah. which a single round supposed to be, like, isn't it, like, seven seconds? Now,
1: when you say one round, do you mean one melee action or one character's allotment of melee actions?
2: I mean one melee action.
1: So one melee action.
2: Twelve, like, twelve melee actions, one so for each player. So, like, 32 player.
1: minutes for, like, three seconds of actual combat. Yeah. A, a single round in Palladium is 15 seconds, and in those 15 seconds you get all your melee actions. And you can have, yeah. like, eight. Yeah, like most from between
2: yeah. two and eight. Okay. One around the table was thirty-two <laughs> wow. minutes. Wow, and it was there was a ass load of die rolling.
1: Wow, I can imagine.
2: Which actually is uh, brings up to me, I think, one of the big problems. You know, well, it brings up something. I you know, it's, you know asking like, you know, how do you manage it? That yeah, it brought it really brought something to my mind that I've it stuck with me.
1: Yeah,
2: one thing you cannot do with a huge, big group I think mm-hmm. is cinematic role playing. Okay. Because I I love cinematic role playing. Right. I am never just satisfied with I attack him with my weapon. I am never satisfied with that. <laughs> that's actually that's actually sometimes when I start to get bored in D&D combat. Right. I'm never dissatisfied with attack and roll and all that shit. You really but need to try Iron Hero sometimes. I do. I re- I've heard a lot about it. I want to do that. That's
1: cinematic as shit.
2: Because, but I you can like with a group of like ten or more players, you can or even seven or more, you can't do cinematic role playing because you're gonna spend. Hours just describing the awesome maneuver you're trying to pull off right
1: my true my atlantean vampire slayer yeah. uh decapitates one vampire with his room blade that activates a tattoo while double kicking you know a uh, uh, bicycle yeah. kicking off because another you know one. half
2: the time yeah. will be spent describing what you're doing, yeah. and then the next hour will be determined okay, how does this go- how's this going to work in the rules right so no it's i think in, like, when you're in a big group, if you're gonna do it, you got to keep it going fast and smooth, which is actually I think D and D works well for a, a large group, yeah. Because combat is largely okay. Do like, do what you're gonna do. Roll it. Result. Okay. Next round.
1: Yeah. I mean, D and D is good for that. I mean, like I think uh, uh, you know, you... and my
2: go- and for God's sake, I think using miniatures in a map for a big group is vital.
1: Oh yeah. No, definitely. I think – now, one of the things I talked about in the article, and I think you mentioned it too, was uh, uh, when we were prepping for the show was uh – uh, putting a very tight rein in terms of uh time limits on what players can describe. Mm-hmm. And this also goes into your cinematic thing, which is uh you described it like they're using a bell. So, yeah,
2: like it's, like just like a normal like you know, bell on a secretary's desk. Right. Well
1: the point is like you need to have some sort of shot clock. It doesn't have to be an actual bell, but some sort of internal like look at a watch, a stopwatch or something like that and give everybody a very short amount of time to declare their actions, like a minute, you know, and be like, All right, you got one minute. Yeah. Uh, all right, go. And then, because
2: you know, and i would be like, well, that's not a lot of time. At, hey, says, like, after your turn, I know, what, I know what you should be doing is when everyone else is taking their turn is planning your next move.
1: Yeah, because I think that's one common thing players do in, uh, uh, is that they're very self-focused. If they're not – if they only pay attention when it's about their character. Like mm-hmm. a lot of players I know is tune out. Whenever it's not about them, and they're just like, oh, I'm well, not and D
2: and D is rife with that, especially. Well, well,
1: I think it's any game, you know. But I mean, D and D is the most popular game, so like by Thank default, you. it would. But mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it's disproportionately affected by this. Um, but what you do is, you know, you have to pay attention to the game as a whole, so that you have to know what you're going to do that round. Uh, the next round um so like you know, I, to be honest you know that's not a problem with me usually because i'm fascinated by games and i always want to see what's going on and i'm just like oh it's a game design issue like how would i do this how does this work you know games or rpgs how do they fucking work you know yeah fucking miracles but it, i it,
2: actually i would say but the, the longer but the longer co- uh, what you're doing goes on the harder it is to concentrate yeah because you know uh-
1: i mean if i had a- Keep track of what all eleven other players. If I had to wait thirty minutes for my one minute of action, yeah, I'd be. It would be hard for me to stay focused too.
2: Which I mean, it happens. You know, it tends to happen a lot, especially when you have people that know the rules, because they say, okay, um, so you say this. Okay, this guy's the, this guy. Okay, um, would it be okay? Like, would it be possible for the arc to hit him like this? Mm-hmm. You know, when people that are really know the system are really strategically planning, is a lot of time that you're eventually just gonna. Uh, I'm losing interest. Like. <laughs> Oh, look at the ceiling. Yeah. Look at that.
1: Um, And speaking of rules, actually, I know this is totally off-topic, Tom, but you actually were right in terms of the amount of damage it would do uh, for your shrieking power, because it's an area attack. Uh, The problem is it still would have gone on with two, so it would have been disrupted before that. Ah, okay. um, But area attacks do two additional shock damage to all locations. Uh, So... That has nothing to do with our discussion whatsoever, but that's just a little. bit Actually, of I'm
2: glad to know that. Thank yeah. you, Ross.
1: So it still goes off at width too, but now you know. So uh, knowing's half the battle, exactly. Mm-hmm. But um, GI Joe. So yeah, you have to keep a tight reign in this group. You have to be very assertive and uh, as a GM, if not aggressive outright in saying like setting the schedule and keeping to it, keeping to the agenda. You have to be <laughs> kind of a pit boss. You know, you have to be out, down. You know, you have to be like. Uh, uh, I was like, whipping the slave, you know, the galley slaves or whatever. Yeah. But you have to be. Uh, there's, a, there's
2: a Henry Rollins act. I remember when he was talking about doing a voice for the Batman Beyond cartoon. Yeah, and he said the producer lady, who was he described as the master of puppets, or rather the master of horrors. Yeah. So he's like, okay, very good. You come in and do this. Okay, good. And then you come in and do this. And yeah. you kind of have to, you know, you have to be the master of puppets. Yeah, you've got to keep everyone in on, in, you know. On on task and on focus. And if
1: you're like, well, that doesn't sound very fun as a GM. Well, then you kind of might might want to think about re. Uh, yeah. re- yeah, might want to reconsider doing a, a, a eight to twelve person game then. Yeah, yeah. So, uh,
2: yeah. Which is something. I'm, don't be afraid to split the group up. if Well, if that's yeah, possible.
1: that's that, that's actually the solution uh, I went with is for the Wild Towns game is I split the group up into two nights, uh, one each with four players because Tom is playing in both because he's just hardcore like. No, that. no
2: it's also my evening schedule is wide open. Yeah.
1: So, so um, yeah, Monday and Thursday night. You know, not exactly you know, super exciting. Anyways, um, but. We are so that I mean that's more work for you as a GM because then you have to prep twice as much more or less, uh, but you can keep the same campaign setting and have them involved. No. That's what I'm doing with the Wall Towns game. So they're all superheroes in the same city, uh, but and I might have group members rotate in like you know yeah. some a Thursday night. But yeah, going could be like, what well, we're night.
2: looking. What I'm looking forward to and that is you know post on the forums like you know, as you post like you know, uh, you know, uh, New Arcadia news, yeah. so we can read about the exploits of the other group, and then they can read about us. And yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I mean I just, you're no, there for everything because you're, you're the Wolverine of the group, basically. Yeah. Well, you have, I, you're I'm, in five places at once.
2: I'm that awesome.
1: You're like Deadpool. So, overused.
2: Oh Ross,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, take that Marvel Comics! Uh, oh Ross has laid down
2: the smackdown.
1: I know. I'm just laying down the truth. Um, so that that's that's one solution is to if you're you know of course you if you're running for eight to twelve players even in a single game I'd imagine that'd be a shitload of prep work. Yeah.
2: I, I will warn you, yeah, if you are a you know if you are a passive GM, yeah. You will be eaten alive by a large group.
1: Because even if they're like individually, all the players are nice and kind and considerate. Like they're still 12, players. Well, there are eight to twelve of them. It just gets turns into a mob. I mean, it's like a restaurant. You know, everybody's talking. Everybody talks louder so they can be heard over everyone. Yeah, and I actually, um, I, I actually side conversations. I got to see. A,
2: I got to see a GM actually break down in a large group like that. It was oh, the same GM for the, oh, it was the game. risk
1: game.
2: I mean, it wasn't that session, but one of the one of the uh, it was like a session after that. Yeah. He finally, I mean, he was just trying his hardest to try to keep people focused, but he did not have the voice for it, one. Yeah. No. I a bit of a soft talker. Yeah. No. And uh, he was afraid to uh, offend anyone. Yeah. No. So when someone else interrupted, he like, didn't just say, you, I mean, you you, you actually go, shh. Yes. Which is momentarily annoying, but also then we're grateful for because yeah. finally, you know, finally he just he realized, he just lost you could you could actually see it happen if you were paying attention yeah that he just finally just drops you know just slumps down defeated, realizing that it's not going to go on <laughs> wow so that was the last session of the game oh
1: and nothing got got resolved
2: no and the thing is most of the players didn't even notice it was only like me and two other people were seated near him we're like we're looking at each other like oh, dude yeah so we have to go like dude are you okay and, yeah like, just like it, you know, it's it's all, and he's like no, no it's okay. We'll, we'll pick it up later.
1: <laughs> that's a great acting there, chum. I wish the listeners could see your. Uh, I
2: know. Well, I'm a method actor. Yeah, exactly. It's
1: like fucking inside the actor studio up in here. So um, that's you that time. <laughs> <laughs> so So um, that that is one of the things you can do. Um, I think uh, uh, in terms of yeah, you have to be assertive. You have to keep control. I think the other thing is cut down, I mean, we're we're talking about how much prep work this takes, you know, it's, you know, 8-12 players, it's a shitload of work to do, combat's a bear, blah, 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 blah. so you need to do everything you can to streamline it and cut down on the amount of work you have to do, and the amount of work you have to do in the game, uh, during the game, as possible, and the best way is to realize that certain types of games you cannot run, and certain rule systems you cannot run, now... Uh, for example, like Wild Talents, by normally by default is a pretty complex system, especially if you're not used to it. Uh, I can
2: vouch for that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Now, we're getting more used to it, and I think eventually everybody's going to get the, you know, declare, roll, resolve thing down so that I don't have to keep reminding people, okay, but, you know, all right, I'm going to do this. And they, they immediately roll, and like, all right, I got this. You know, like, hold on. We need to wait until everybody rolls. and then <laughs> Well, we some figure, people are really excited. Yeah, exactly. So sooner or later, I think everybody will get that in their, you know, thick skulls. Ah!
2: Our thick player yeah, skulls.
1: Yes, your five heavy armor skulls. See what I did there? <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, Nice. Yeah, but what you can do is you can cut down any amount of things. And I, like, for example, last year uh, I was in a Wild Talents game, actually, that was run by Ben Bow, uh, Bo, who is the author of Monsters and Other Childish Things, and he, he wrote uh, uh, We were doing, Eon Mall, which is a uh, like super mall cop kind of humorous comedy game. And we did a stripped-down version of Wild Talents where our characters could fit on a 3x5 note card, and we just spent like 5, 10 minutes creating them. And then we were good to go. Ian and Violet were actually in that game. And I have it recorded. I need to post that at some point. Um, and it was very ridiculous. And uh, it was very fun because Ben was a good, you know, GM keeping herd on all of us. And two, all of us had a very simple thing. It was just like, you know, there were no extras. There was no, like, you know, spray or attached or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if they, no conditionals or whatever. Um, it was all just roll a couple dice and see if you get any matches. Then you can blah, 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 blah. So it was very simple.
2: And... Actually, I say, yeah, fast role playing can be fun too.
1: Yeah, if you, I mean, I could run a twelve person game if I was using Wushu or Rhesus, You know, one of those free systems. That's a. Ridiculously simple and ridiculously fast-paced. Well, like Call of Cthulhu? Uh, no, not even Call of Cthulhu. Well, no, Call of not- Cthulhu I could see. Call of Cthulhu. Everybody was familiar with it. If I didn't have to explain anything to any of those players, I could run a 12-person game. Because actually I kind of did so with how about, the how about, uh, Operation Endgame.
2: So how about you uh, – could you run a Palladium game with 12 people?
1: No, no. Oh, God, no. I, no
2: uh, ra- ra- you would break down.
1: I would – no, I would not try. The only winning move is to not play, so –
2: How about a nice game of chess?
1: No. How about a nice game of – shut your face. Thermonuclear, shut your face. Ooh. Yeah, see what I did there?
2: A game of war?
1: I know. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, Tic-tac-toe. Free cell. Um, <laughs> third base. Um, so I think that, that, that's kind of uh, uh, some basics on how to handle large groups. Um, Now, what I'm doing for the Wild Talents in terms of GMing and structure, I sort of meant a little bit earlier, is that I'm using the same setting. It all takes place in the same city. And what I did is I wrote twice as many plot hooks as I normally do. I wrote like ten or so. And then I gave them all out. And then when one group attaches – you know, uh, goes after one plot hook, I sort of close it off to the other group. Mm -hmm. So, like – uh, so far, it's been very good. Everything has been resolved in one session. Like, every little hook, the first part of it, the first leg of it. Like, I, I see the, the adventure as kind of like a multi-stage thing, like a flowchart. Like, get to step one, get the first adventure. Get You know, then you can go to another plot hook, or you can, can proceed down the same adventure path. So... We
2: will eventually find the amulet of Gendor.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, but you, right now, you're all focused on taking down the Syndicate, and you've all sort of completed the first phase of it, and so you can peel back and get to the second one. We are
2: looking forward to the stuff you said you were going to add, like a... Yeah. Uh, rep- Mutation system? Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I, I'll get into that a or little a, more. And,
2: and using, like, rain for a...
1: Oh, yeah, companies uh, for organizations. So we'll get a little more into that in the future. Um, but, but right, right now, now I, think, every... I think
2: we're all getting acquainted with wild Yeah, talents. until
1: everybody yeah, gets the base rule system down and gets their character sort of figured out, we'll, we'll sort of hold off on that. I don't want to overwhelm players any more than they already are. But the thing is, I'm using the same setting, and so what happens to group one can affect group A. And vice versa, and you know, like the syndicate's now going to be a lot very pissed at both of you, both groups, because you know you attack them, and they're you know a criminal organization with yeah. super soldiers.
2: Like, those bad people attacked our syndicate. Yes,
1: yeah, so they're going go to kill them, you, uh, which I mentioned. So hmm. uh, that, that'll go back forth. But like you know, other plot hooks are sort of uh, so we'll. Uh, We'll have updates in future episodes to see how, the, how my campaign structure juggling experiment mm. goes. So this is a bit of an experiment. I've never done this before.
2: Ross likes science,
1: so yes. So we'll 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 let you know. It's kind of like a, a tabletop MMO. Ooh. So you are just grinding because you have to be in both sessions. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm a that. troll with no free time. To- I'm a troll with lots of free time. Oh. So all right.
1: So, um... Like, I'm not coming down to dinner, Mom! <laughs> yeah. I gotta kill more... I gotta kill more mutants in the sewers! I gotta punch chaos rats in the nose! And get the red key for the silver door! Um,
2: oh, role-playing.
1: Yes, oh, MMOs and your Pavlovian, you know, Skinnerbox-esque psychological manipulations.
2: You have destroyed so much free time.
1: Fucking Farmville. Anyway, um, Farmville's evil. Fuck that game. Anyway. Uh, I,
2: I heard that – I forget where it was, but like the city – like 12 mem- – five members of the city council of some place were fired because they were found to be playing Farmville during city council meetings. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, it will not it will, it will, not be communism or terrorism that brings down the United States, but Farmville.
1: Nice. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I believe that. I think that's credible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, that, that kind of wraps up our main topic for this, you know, unless you have right. any other parting words for large group management or anything. No, no. Don't,
2: don't be afraid to finally admit it's the group's too big.
1: Yeah, I mean, on the other hand, you know, most players have the problem of never having enough players, and they're like, oh, I can't find a group, so that they're always like, "Ah, oh, they don't want to turn anyone away, because they're just terrified of not having a group. Besides, and, like,
2: who knows who might still be there at, at next week.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's understandable, but, you know, a good game is much better than a bad game, and man. You
2: know, or but, or it where, actually, I think no game is better than a bad game.
1: Well, yeah. I was building on that, so. Well,
2: I got there first.
1: Yeah. Anyway, all right. So uh, this week Tom does not have a letter, but we do. Well, have... yeah,
2: I, yeah. Shit's going on.
1: Yeah. Uh, holidays busy. We're lots of on very our, busy. Lot, like there's all kinds of crazy shit happening behind the scenes at our You don't even know. I'm writing Whoa. Skype games for the contributors. Uh, I,
2: okay. I might. I might even might not even letters from Tom anymore. Yeah. Might be commentaries from Tom. Ooh. See. Yeah.
1: yeah, we're, we're switching d- it up. We're keeping it like, fresh. We're yeah. keeping it real. Fading?
2: Yeah. This show is evolving. Is exactly. what it's doing.
1: Yeah, we're we're in a chrysalis. Uh, uh, we're like evolving and shit. Yeah, we're like a fucking, you know, turning into a butterfly with a katana.
2: Quit while you're ahead, Ross.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Quit in sophistication. All right. Uh, next up, we will have shout outs uh, and some let uh, letters from readers. And uh, a couple anecdotes from the Wild Talents game. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Stay tuned. All right,
0: everybody. I still like a good time You look more sophisticated And we're back
2: What the hell? That wasn't even the announcer voice I know, that was, my... was, that, that, was like, that was like toddler Ross No, it's the,
1: hey, I am an asshole, I am the oh. asshole announcer
2: Oh, this is a new character now
1: I've done it before, Tom
2: Well, you've never named him before
1: I guess not, you've never questioned its existence before
2: Well, consider it questioned
1: Okay, <laughs> alright, well now you know uh, Anyways, so we have shoutouts first We do? Uh, we do we do have shout-outs. Yes, shout outs. we do have shout-outs. So. We weren't lying to you. No, we weren't. Um, first off is a, uh, speaking of zombies of the world, I uh, uh, found a free Half-Life 2 uh, source mod called Zombie Panic.
2: Ross musical. likes zombies.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now, of course, to be fair, I play, I've played a lot of Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead 2, and I've played a ton of Killing Floor. But I've already mentioned killing those as uh, shout outs on previous episodes. Now, of course, K- Killing Floor and Left 4 Dead 2. <gasps> oh my god, you guys. You need to get them. But Zombie Panic. I played it. I, it's not a must play, but it's free. And basically. The Ross likes free. It, like, the way it starts out is up to 24 players, and all but, like, two players start out as humans. And you get a pistol and a hand and a melee weapon and you either have to survive for so long or you have to complete some objective, like, you know, call the military. In order to call the military, you have to find a radio. You have to get the power on. Then you have to turn the lights on so the military you knows blah, blah, blah. Mission, you know, a mission. Mm-hmm. And the zombies just, you know, kill humans. Now, the interesting thing is when a zombie kills a human, the human player responds as a zombie. And the game goes on until the humans complete their objective or until there's only zombies. Now, if you die as a zombie... You come back as a zombie. If you die as a zombie, you keep coming back. Oh, that's great! It's great. So um, you you start out with a lot of human players. You know, twenty human players. and Then every casualty mounts up. You know, uh, and then of course one the first zombie player to spawn because there's always got to be these like one or two zombies. You know, mm-hmm. to start with is the carrier. Carrier hits you. You have a ten percent chance of being infected. If you're infected in uh, a certain amount of time, you know, a few minutes, you. St- respawn as a zombie right where you died otherwise you, normally when you die as a human you just respawn somewhere else mm-hmm. but then you die as a zombie right next to your human buddies nice. i've actually done this i've actually been infected then i like respawn as a zombie and be like oh hey there's your brains right there all right killed you ha killed you oh <laughs> it's, like, shot me
2: it's like click on eat brain <laughs>
1: yeah uh, push button win game so <laughs> it's,
2: like, it's like use like use mouth on brain
1: yeah. So it w- it w- it was fun. It was good. I it, it so it's worth at least a couple hours of fucking around with. Um, cuz you know, it's free if you have Steam and you know that uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, just 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 download it. Just do it. Just do it. Jesus Christ. God damn. Okay. All right, Tom. All
2: right. Well, my first one is uh it's a game I did pay money for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a game I I spent like uh, $8 on a uh, Windows Seven friendly version of Master of Magic.
1: Uh is that the original? The um, original. Wow. Okay. Did you get that through GamersGate? Uh, I forget Steam? the
2: website. I forget the, you know, it wasn't through uh, Steam or anything. It was actually a website. I bought the program.
1: <sighs> oh my god! <laughs> so we, our listeners, just you know, they'll, they'll never know how you got it. It's just through magic. You that you are provi- a master of.
2: We will provide the way. All right. But, yeah, I'm, I'm very glad I bought this. I, I still own the original disc. Yeah. And uh, that is still one of the most... It's one of those games you play, like, "Ah, eh, start a game here. And by the time it finally, I've, I click and turn and look over, and, oh, my, it's been three hours.
1: Yeah. No, it, it's a very... It's a 4X game. You start out as a wizard with your own little city-state, and then you go and conquer the rest of the world, and you can choose what race you are, you know, lizard people or spider folk or whatever. Dragons. And uh, you can research them, magic. Research magic, research improve your cities, raise armies, get a big stack of doom to just march over everything, a stack of, like, 12 units that can yeah. come, hire
2: heroes. that
1: Hire heroes, give them magic items, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun game. There's a, uh, a Wonders of Magic... Uh, was uh, kind of a sequel, wasn't it? Well, there's an unofficial sequel. there have been been a couple of games like it and, and that are fun, but not as last, good as the, yeah,
2: not as good to me as the original.
1: <laughs> Actually, they're better. Tom, I've played them. So. Oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Age of Wonders, that's what it is. Age of Wonders Two: Shadow Magic, um, which came out in like 2000, about you know ten years later, five mm. ten years later than Master of Magic. So it's, I it's, think
2: Master of Magic was a uh, ninety. 3 I yeah. think.
1: So um still so worth mine.
2: Oh, love it.
1: Yeah. Uh well, Age of Wonders 2 as well. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. So, um very good. Now, the next uh shout out I have is something that I got uh from McFarland Press. As a review copy, and I've started reading it, but I just haven't finished it. As you, uh, busy
2: as busy with stuff. Because
1: I'm I'm also horribly distracted by like a shiny shiny I'm, things, <laughs> and, and shooting zombies in video games. Um, but it's 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 a book called "The Creation of Narrative in Tabletop Roleplaying Games" by Jennifer Growling Cover, um, and I'll just read the back of it. Um, it given the particular attention to in this book, it it sort of explores RPGs. Uh, from an academic academic analysis of, a critical analysis of tabletop RPGs. It gives particular attention uh, are the narrative and linguistic structures of the gaming session and the ways that players and game masters work together to construct narratives. Uh, The text also explores wider cultural influences that surround tabletop gamers. Um, And I, it, so far, you know, this is the kind of stuff, again, that I geek out on, you know, game design, game analysis, mm-hmm. uh, theory, uh, uh, this is the kind of stuff that I love, and I, I, I feel horrible that I haven't given the book a full read yet, so uh, I'm, you know, sorry that I, 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 you know, got this back, like, in November, um, and I still haven't had time to just re- finish the whole thing, so... um when I do, I will hopefully in the next week or two I'll be able to finish it off. As soon as I get zombies, to the world off with the printer, I'll finally have that off my uh, off my chest, uh, and I'll be able to give you a good good full review. But, anyways, you should check it out if this topic interests you. Um, uh, it's from McCarlin Press, and they do a lot of good stuff too. They also did like the Zombie Movie Encyclopedia, uh, American Go- uh, the Rise of Zombie Gothic, just a book of pop culture analysis on zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a lot of really neat books. About nice. pop geeky stuff, so yeah. Get um, it. And I feel bad, and you know, they sent me the review copy, and I I've just let them down by not giving them an honest review of it. So I'm a horrible monster. You should pray for death. So you do. I'm I, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, well, you had another one.
2: Yep. Uh, one is it is a movie actually for the, from HBO. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe I think it's one of their original movies. It could be wrong, but. <laughs> but i just, i just watched it again it's by dawn's early light which right. is kind of a uh, you know cold war nuclear wars imminent type movie yeah and it's you know it's got james earl jones in it as like the commander of one of those airborne command centers okay and uh, that's the only one i really recognize i mean well, th- th- this is an hbo they don't the really... others
1: are like lumpen sacks of potatoes i do not recognize <laughs> them even as human
2: but uh, it's I I I mentioned it because it also goes toward the president who has been blinded by an atomic blast, uh-huh. trying to convince his vice president that he's, at, that he's actually the president. Or, Wait,
1: how does that work? Or, if uh, the or, vice, if the or, president or, or, is, blind. or it's
2: it's the or it's the person that's that's the person that's now the heir to the you know that's basically the line of succession who's still alive.
1: How would he not if, – even if the president was – Because,
2: well, there's this general – there's this other general, kind of like the, you know, the General Ripper type, uh-huh. who used to like – It's like the Russians have people trained to – have people that are trained to be the president – to sound like the president. And, of course, he's lost his uh, authentication codes.
1: Yeah, but he would look the same. Are well, they all blind?
2: No, there was – no. Like, this was all radio. Oh. You know, he's, like, he's on the – this is also the 80s. Like, he's on the Airborne Command Center.
1: That's well. That makes sense. I mean, well, that's fine. The the president's, I mean, yeah, the president's I, on the just ground. Just like I see you right there, but <laughs> I don't believe. Yeah. But my
2: favorite, what really makes this fun is it's also another part of the story is like this crew, you know, that's part of a uh, bomber team. It's God. This movie really is a lot like. Doctor Strange Love.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a made-for-TV Doctor Strange Love. With
2: bit. with a, no comedy.
1: Yeah. Oh well. Uh. Yeah.
2: But you know, it's you know this bomber crew, and at one point they're being chased by two uh, Russian fighters. Yeah. And this is like a B-52, so there's yeah. no, uh, or apparently there's no offensive weaponry. Mm-hmm. So to to so to you know to shake their attackers, they drop a hydrogen bomb, which okay. apparently they were shielded against EMP, and or. I don't know. This is the movie's logic. Okay. But they dropped the hydrogen bomb to take out the fighters.
1: Okay. Wait, so I I could buy the bomber being shielded from it, but why wouldn't the fighters be shielded from it?
2: Well, they're the Russians, Ross. They didn't know how to do anything.
1: They they knew how to build nuclear weapons. Because they stole it from us. USA! USA! They could have stolen the other EMP shielding technology. Fucking
2: Rosenbergs. God damn it.
1: You know, actually, I read a, I heard that, that they were actually probably framed, uh, or there, there's a good theory uh, no, about how that they were uh, framed. Um,
2: but just, I, I, just, just it, I it, any because, and so also know. that is something a, as me as a player of a role playing player would do. Yeah. If I had like, oh yeah, I'd use an atomic bomb to take out two fighters.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fuck everything that I'm dropping it under. Fuck the environment. Ah, <laughs> I, I got more-
2: hydrogen bombs. <laughs> you should have known better than to give me that power. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. Um, So, uh, let's see. Next up, we have Debris, Volume 1 and 2. I think this is from both of us.
2: Yeah, this is from us to you.
1: Now, actually, I have to explain how we found this. Now, first off, Debris, Volume 1 and 2 are kind of like TV Carnage. What's TV Carnage? Um, They're DVDs of weird pop culture ephemera, like weird fucking movies that's cut together in this bizarre 30 to 40-minute montage that is insane. And this isn't just like... Like '80s slasher, no-budget slashers, uh, Chinese uh, celestial operas from the '60s or '70s, the crippled masters. Uh, uh, there's
2: also like I, my favorite. There's Mexican a lot
1: of luchador movies.
2: There's also like cut-in footage of like these like ni- early '80s Christian, you know, shows that are oh, warning, yeah. warning
1: parents against the, tarot and uh, heavy metal music, Ouija boards, and Dungeons and Dragons um you know as a gateway into the occult oh my god um so there now how i found out about this i didn't even hear about this until uh, a random clip on youtube that i saw on someone's facebook uh it was a clip from the movie elves which oh
2: the uh, yeah the it, Nazis
1: yeah and uh, it's basically like yeah there's two theories about how the Nazis use Santa's elves <laughs> and this uh, and blah 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 magic so, elves as Nazi says, assassins this,
2: but it's says, but it's says, but it's all useless because it never there's no such thing as elves yeah but then he did they did this and this with the elves
1: but I like this theory too because it mixes science with the occult it's like but most importantly it's not true yeah. <laughs> Um, and the, there's a the description in the YouTube uh, uh, thing about this is from Debris, Volume 1. I'm like.
2: Ross's interest was tri- intrigued.
1: What is this magic thing? I must find it. I must have it. It is. And mine. as you said,
2: the best 12 bucks you ever spent.
1: Each one was only six bucks. Um, and so. Uh, Apparently, I think there's a the volume thing,
2: three coming out. Yeah,
1: there's a volume three coming out that's going to combine both of them because there was an extremely limited press run of like ninety, like 93 copies of Debris Volume 1 and like 50 of Volume 2. So we'll put a. Uh, it's Sun Cult video. Uh, so I'll put a link up to their website, but you need to go pester them to see if they can burn you a DVD. If this is the kind of thing that you would like. And uh, if it's not. You're a bad person. You're... You just... I, I, you just how don't can get you not, it. Yeah. You don't get it. How can you not love, like, random clips of 80s slasher films uh, juxtaposition yeah. next It was even to,
2: worse. I recognized a good number of the movies. Re-
1: recognized, it's, like, three of them out of, like, 15. But that's, like... Really good. Mm, yeah, I recognized one of them. Well, no, I, no. Uh, we both recognized *Common Rider*, and we both recognized the Power Rangers
2: and uh, uh, *Crippled Masters*, like the
1: 1970s version of the Power Rangers. And the *Crip*—no, you didn't recognize the *Crippled Masters*. You didn't. You had no. I—I I was the one who recognized *Crippled Masters*. You recognized like three other movies. So, mm. uh, so you still beat me. So don't worry Yeah, uh, uh, I <laughs> win. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you win. Um, but yeah, it's some really fucking bizarre stuff. Shit, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, yeah, I've watched it, like, three or four times in the last two weeks. Of course, most of these times have been, like, to show other people this shit. You
2: must see. You yeah. must know.
1: So now I'm a little burned out on it, so, like, give me six months and then I'll watch it again. Yeah. Um, I'd so say you had another one.
2: Yeah. Uh, these, it's more internet videos. Yeah. Yeah, these things called, uh, the ASDF movies. Yeah. There's, I think there's three of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's like, to me, it's kind of a, uh. I don't want to say low budget but
1: it's like a, a, kind of a
2: different version of Don Hertzfeldt stuff.
1: I wouldn't compare them. I wouldn't go that far. They're funny random internet monkey cheese. Yeah, you know, very
2: very yo know, very yo know, very short. Very short, stick not stick figure ar but close. Very close. But they're funny.
1: Yeah, but and they're not Don Hertzfeldt. I mean, they're they're in that vein, but Don Hertzfeld is like here. He is like as close to God as a cartoonist yeah. can be. Yeah, I just watched as the a, I, I just watched the Wisdom Teeth
2: yeah. one recently. Yeah, it was beautiful. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, Don Hertzfeld, you are some kind of God.
1: He is so you're like is he? And it's, I know that's he's close he, to blasphemy saying and he's an comparing RP- anything to it. And he's an
2: RPPR fan,
1: of course. Everybody who's anybody is yeah. Putin is.
2: <laughs> hell yeah
1: and his crazy kgv palace that he has after wrestling bears all day and making it and you know scoring with fashion models and flying fighter jets and saving russia from um nazi vampires I, i'm guessing that's what he does on tuesdays yeah tuesdays <laughs> Wednesday, wednesdays tuesdays. are crazy <laughs> <laughs> exactly Um then uh, Comic Jumper, it's a uh, game on Xbox Live, uh, Marketplace, Xbox ar- Arcade. Um, you're playing a uh, comic book hero who has th- his own comic book titles, but So He has to go to all these com- uh, comics I've, in different I, genres. I have not played –
2: I have seen this game, though.
1: Yeah, and it is quite fun, let me tell you. Uh, it's, a, it's a side-scrolling platformer. Uh, you have a gun. You're star for some reason – on your chest, like your logo on your talks chest, to you. talks to you and hates you. Um, but uh, it's quite entertaining. Um, I think it's like different different kinds of different, different points on yeah, Xbox. Different
2: kinds of, of comics.
1: Yeah, different kinds. of they Actually, the the opening level is brilliant because they have this cutaway scene that like mixes live action video with the game itself, and that's it's just like I was blown away by how they did that. So uh, just the cleverness of it. So yeah,
2: and uh, my last one actually. Yeah. Involves Comic Jumper.
1: Okay,
2: uh, it's a website that I first that I first discovered from uh, the Nostalgia Critic, which I've already mentioned in an earlier episode. The Angry Joe Show. He reviews mainly games, but also movies. I, uh, he's got he's really good, really funny reviews, good production value, and he not about a month ago reviewed Comic Jumper. Oh, okay, and he loved it. Yeah, he said. Yeah, he said. Uh, gave it like an eight out of ten, saying you've yeah, you got to play this game. Yeah. It's fun.
1: Um, you know, I actually watched uh, uh, Angry Video Game or Nostalgia Critic a little mm-hmm. while ago. They, did, they he reviewed a movie called Someone Linked Me uh, Zeus and Roxanne.
2: Oh yes, I, I that's this is the, this is the Nostalgia Critic, not yeah. Angry Joe, but
1: yeah. Nostalgia Critic reviewed Zeus and Roxanne, the only dog dolphin romance Steve Gutenberg movie, yeah, ever. And, and with I, I, Billy Zane as the bad guy,
2: and of course the as I said the, the best line ever, yeah, it's like. Like, if a dog and a dolphin can get along, why can't our
1: parents? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which makes you think. It does. What the... How the fuck did that get funded? Um, So, yeah.
2: I often... I ask that question a lot.
1: Um, And then, let's see here. Finally... uh, I, don't, I think I may have mentioned the last episode, but I'm not going to look. at uh, The Laundry. Uh, it's RPG using the Call of Cthulhu base rules, a chaos and BRP system based on the Charles Stross novels, the Atrocity Archives. Um, basically, you're playing British secret agents that use a mad, uh, magic. Cthulhu magic. Mythos magic is a form of mathematics, so you can have spells loaded on your iPod uh, to kill people, banish demons, summon demons, or all kinds of fun stuff. And you, you're part of the British intelligence service that protects the world, or Britain. Uh, specifically from uh, uh, you know occult horrors, so nice. and it, it has a lot of things about bureaucracy because it's mildly funny. It, you know, it's kind of funny. It, it, it's funny. Just, just, mm. just get it.
2: Well, all you need to know is think of Ministry of Silly Walks. Exactly, British bureaucracy with demonology. British, British bureaucracy.
1: Case Nightmare Green. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, so finally, uh, we have two things. Uh, a couple, yeah. Letters from readers. So, anyways, um, let us uh, talk about the first one. Enduring as a GM, um, Ross, I've had over 25 years of experience running games for all types of systems, for all types of players. Uh, One of the most challenging aspects of running a game to me is Enduring as a Game Master, as illustrating this Penny Arcade comic, uh, 2010-12-13. The last campaign I ran was a Mutants and Masterminds game with the players as teeny as teenage up-and-coming heroes. My players were constantly bitch uh, whenever something did not go their way and chafed at the limitations I put in the campaign both in terms of power selection and theme. Uh, the campaign came to an end. One of the players designed a completely overpowered robot sidekick. When I told him no because the idea was ludicrously overpowered and because it did not fit into the game uh, thematically, he had what I could only describe as a meltdown. I stopped running the game there. The event was six or so months ago. I'm thinking about running a new game but have thought uh, the thought of having to deal with the constant complaints makes me feel exhausted. You seem to effortlessly endure the slings and barbs of your players. Uh, I was wondering Because uh, I have yeah, And I was wondering if you could share your secrets with the RPPR community. Well, you could write directly to me, but I think this would make an excellent RPPR uh, episode topic. Well, I don't want to have a whole episode about how great I am and how I'm... He able. would.
2: He um, would. Oh, yes, he would. <laughs> but we
1: could talk about it. Um in terms of GM burnout and uh, we can touch upon this and if you like this uh, we could we could visit back to the full episode later on but um, i think the key for me is one my play we're all friends and we all like trust you. we they give me shit but it's not
2: well also we it, we hang out outside games right, too right
1: well we we're, well it's not just it's not that it's that there's respect there i think you know mm-hmm. in terms of like I, My players will give me, you you guys give me shit and stuff, but it's sort of ill and good fun, and I don't honestly we don't
2: take things personally right we don't take part. things
1: personally and that's the thing you know so i can i can lay down the law oh come
2: on like the very the moment the game starts like i'm ross
1: Payton and i'm a published author yeah, exactly um
2: <laughs> and the thing is he laughs as hard as we do
1: yeah exactly so uh i mean yeah, there are times there's friction i'm not going to say that you know we, yeah. y- there there have been times where there's friction and everything but um but, we yeah. never had anybody melt down you know, no. never, never. Have, I've never have constant complaints. I never have chafing at it. So I mean, it's honestly. I mean, it is tiring to run a game. I think you know. I'm like at the end of the night, I am kind of drained after a four hour game or whatever. I think. Mean, well, everyone is. Well, I'm more than all of. Them oh well, same Russ I'm more drained than you. <laughs> so well, actually not because I have such great endurance and stamina, <laughs> uh, but. I just uh, 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 it's not a chore to me. I don't I don't get that negative. I don't feel bad after it. I don't feel like t- you know it, it's a good kind of drain. So um,
2: kind of a runner's high. Thing. Yeah.
1: Well, not no. I mean, that's, all right, just
2: regular. regular. It's like ah, uh,
1: I've done something productive and creative. You and all take this drugs. Other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it sounds like your players are honestly terrible. I mean, um, yeah. You. It's yeah. To me,
2: it just yeah, sounds. You might just have some bad players.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, if they're complaining all the time, I mean, fuck those guys. I mean, you're putting on the show, you're putting on this game for them, and they can't even be nice about it. They can't even be polite about it. You
2: know, know, there's Um, constructive criticism, and then there's just bitching.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've never had that problem. Uh, I think think that's
2: our secret is we don't. Really have that problem?
1: Yeah, we really get along very well, and uh, new players have been integrated very well. We have a good culture, I guess you would say, mm. as, a, as a community. New
2: players tend to tend to want to stick around.
1: Yeah, well, we don't. I mean, I mean, there have been instances, uh, individual games, where things have been very disru- bad, and, yeah. like. Uh, you know the second prototype game that ended because like to the, the two new players I added were Gun Bunnies and and everybody else wanted investigation. Uh, sometimes the new world campaign like Bill and Mike, you know, Our, arguing and uh, Aaron's first game. You know, I was an asshole in that. And, I think I
2: think at the, think it's at the end that we don't take things personally. Yeah,
1: I think I mean that's the key is that there's there. I mean I don't want to say you have to be like you know, the, the, ba- the, the paragons of maturity. but you Which can't, we are
2: clearly not.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, you can't be... The reason why high school games are bad is because of the immaturity. I mean, you really can't... You're yeah, in high school. Well, you're, and you're just assholes. You know, high school people or uh, players tend to be, you know, very immature about stuff, and they take things personally. Like, for me, a long time, I couldn't play multiplayer games but like, without taking them personally. And, you know, like, if you're the kind of person who, like, yells at the screen, uh, punches a computer monitor or something like that. Throws a controller. Yeah, on a regular basis, you have issues, and you need to stop taking this shit personally. And it sounds like the, your players are like that. And they can't – I mean, that, that's why we, we, we just we, – we, we go with this without being total assholes about it. So, yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, they're ha- I mean, it's not like a perfect utopia and don't ever yeah. have friction. Or the final
2: – I guess these yeah. are, to grow up would be the –
1: yeah, I mean, well, and if you, I mean, and that's that's putting it simply. Not, like, not
2: you, but like you know, your players might might need to grow up.
1: That's the RPPR secret, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the RP. It's not like something magical I've done. It's just we have good, you know,
2: mature uh, players. Yeah, mature
1: players and a mature group. Um, they can handle the shit without being ridiculous and. We can do like we could do a whole episode of immaturity.
2: We might actually, yeah, that might actually be a good topic. Yeah, because
1: that's a big thing in gaming. Because you have a lot of immature players. A lot of, you know, our game can be gamers be immature. No, <laughs> I know this is shocking. I know yeah. we're just you know bad mouthing that. So, mm, um, oh, right. yeah. So we're gonna move on to the next yeah. letter. Um, hey guys at the RP. What? Want me to read it? Oh, Okay. Well, Want to switch it? off? Oh yeah, fine. Do that. Okay.
2: Please. Here, I'll read this one. This is. Uh, Victor uh, Victor, Mam- Mamadi, I'm totally mangling that name.
1: Just Victor. Okay,
2: Victor. He says, hey guys of the RPPR, how are you all? My name is Victor, and I'm Brazilian RPG DM. I've been watching you for... Well, he's been watching us for a year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, watching outside right now, Yes, now. he is. <laughs> There's GMs outside this house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. I've been watching you for a year right now. I would like to know if you guys would be curious in actual playing some Brazilian RPG." I can translate it for you and send you the PDF. It's an RPG that mixes all flesh must be eaten and fear itself. It's a zombie Holocaust focus in surviving, not destroying zombies. The system is very similar to Fudge or fi- slash Fate, very light and focused on role-playing. Tell me what you think. Greetings. All right.
1: I'm interested. I'll, I'll, yeah. we'll, do, we'll do a one-shot of it at least. So I don't yeah, know when definitely. we'll put it on the actual play podcast. But uh, I'll, I'll email him and uh, uh, we'll try it out.
2: But so, as Ross was once accused for for mentioning the that's you, that is, like, yeah. uh-oh, Ross, you're dangerously close to proving that you've, you're familiar with culture outside America.
1: I know, goddamn. No, my, yeah, my well, American badge will be taken away from me. <laughs> um, and finally, this is from uh, Tommy Eubanks. Uh, Eubanks. Uh, Ross, thanks for your help. I've been emailing. Actually, there are several emails. Uh, I gave him some emails on how to set up a podcast, uh-huh. and your information allowed me to get my own podcast slash role playing website, gameroomroleplaying.com game up and running. <sighs> However, if you wouldn't mind, I had a few more questions. If you had, if you could find the time to help. One, um, I'm only able uh, upload uh, a maximum sixty five megabytes. Use my current theme. Um, my theme does not have that issue well it's not an issue of the theme it's an issue of your hosting it sounds like so i use bluehost.com for rppr um and slangdesign.com um it's shared hosting but you know it's reasonable prices it's uh, i haven't had many complaints with it it has been down for a few hours a few times you know but but no crashes but i mean honestly it's shared hosting you're you're not going to get that and so yeah i that's what I use for hosting. Anyways. I'm willing to upgrade it if I had some sort of assurance I would no longer have that uh, have to submit long gaming issues and different sections as seen on my website. Uh, using your link I'm still uh, down dumbfounded I has to submit my current MP three sessions to the iTunes stores. Um, well I sent him the tutorial what the, the, the iTunes f- Frequently asked questions on how to submit it. You're not submitting the MP3s. You're submitting the RSS feed. Now, all of you who use iTunes to subscribe to this, you're already using RSS automatically. It, it, what it does is iTunes takes that RSS, you know, reads it, says, "Oh, look, there's an MP3 attached to this, you know, mm-hmm. entry." Okay, well, that's a podcast then. Uh, and then it checks that RSS feed every once in a while to make, see when there's a new episode. So. Uh, you submit the RSS feed, and if you've set up your site using WordPress, then that's automated. You just have to get the RSS uh, feed URL. Um, now, do you already have a basic understanding of HTML when you did that for the first time? Well, yeah, I did, but that doesn't have anything to do with the RSS feed. I mean, a little bit, but, like... Um, so, actually, I want to use this letter so it's jumping off point just to give a little mention about, like, the back-end, the technical stuff of RPPR. Oh, my God, it's full of all oh, cut stuff today. Um... Our PPR is run using WordPress and the Blueberry PowerPress plugin uh, and a bunch of other plugins. But WordPress is a content management system slash blog backend. It's free, uh, WordPress.org. Um, if you have a website that has cPanel on it, you can use simple scripts to set up WordPress automatically. Uh, the plugin PowerPress, uh, Blueberry is spelled weird, it's B L U B R R Y. There's no E in it. So, I mean, I don't know. That's just how they do that. It's a it's a podcasting.
2: Ease it, or poison to them,
1: I guess. And um, so what I do is so that that's the basic site. Um, and then there's uh, I use the iTheme uh, thing. Um, I can get into a lot of the other technical aspects, but WordPress. Um, you don't need to know HTML or CSS to work, but if you want to modify it in any way, it really helps to have no knowledge of HTML and CSS. If you want to start your own podcast, aside from recording the session, which is the whole thing, we have a big we have a thread about that on the forums about setting up your own podcast. Um, uh, we're using two sure M57s on a US um, TASCAM US 122L audio interface into GarageBand on a MacBook Pro uh, with an Audio Buddy dual mic preamp uh, direct box um, and, and a partridge
2: in a pear true. <laughs>
1: a partridge in a paratroop. No it just wants to get something in because uh, it's just well, yeah. techno babble. I, I, I think
2: blah. I should also add Ross does all the technical work for it. Yeah. So when he's describing this, I'm like, Ross is saying words.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. So that that's the basic thing. So what I do is I record the episode, um, and then I edit in GarageBand, export as an MP3, edit the tags in iTunes, uh, the ID3 tags, um, and then I upload it using FireFTP and Firefox uh, to the Slang Design website. And then I Write up the show notes and post it in WordPress. You know, do a post in WordPress, and then that it automatically uh, updates if you're subscribing. So then it shows up on the site and everything like that. And so the like the little flash player you see, where you can just play the aud- the episodes on the site. You don't have to download the MP3. That's through PowerPress, um, and. That's the basic thing. The, the forms are used as simple machine forms, SMF, which is another free thing. Um, and so that that that's the very basic bare bones description of how I do RPPR. Now, in terms of the actual plays, I use a Zoom H2 audio record. Digital I, do, audio record. I do have a Zoom H2. Yeah, Zoom H2s are fucking great. You can record 360 degrees. You use SD memory cards. Um, and, you know, on a single 2 gig card on, like, 320 kilobits per second uh, MP3s, I get 27 hours. Good quality. Per 20, yeah. Uh, and you can go even higher quality. You can get, like, 96 hours. if You go down to 96 KVBS. Um, or you can get a higher, or bigger memory card, obviously. So, um... So that's a bunch of techno babble. If you're not an audio expert, you have just tuned me out. And I'm just speaking words. I'm just Mr. Crazy Man. I don't know what blah, blah, blah.
2: Published authors tend yeah. to do this.
1: <laughs> so um, now the thing is, don't. Email me if you have a technical question. Post them on the forums because I am not the only podcaster there. Nerdbound.
0: Hi, Nerdbound Hello. People. Hello. Uh,
1: and, and there are several other uh, podcasts that I'm sure I'm forgetting and I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Ross is stressing. Post on the RPPR forums. Uh, and so I, I check the forums every day, mostly just to make sure that there are no spammers that have gotten through the filters. Um, and, but – if you post a question on the RPPR forums about how to set up a podcast, uh, and you have technical questions, go there, and we will be glad to help you. And it will oh,
2: be... such information shall we
1: give you? And then you know, not I don't have hundred people asking me the same questions. They can all just go to the same thread and ask the questions again again and again and again. And then maybe someone other than me has to can do it. So like, maybe Tom, you... would you like to get in on all this technical stuff?
2: Yeah. Sure.
1: Oh, the sure and 57s are uh, actually XLR mics. They go into the XLR mic, then they don't get the car, guitar pay. Uh Well, all right, I'm getting... Yeah, yeah they get it. Yeah. Um, they ask questions... Pop filters.
2: On, ask questions on the forums. Pop filters. Yes, we have pop filters.
1: <laughs> uh, I talk about nerd things. Yes, you do. Um, yes, Ross. So... Finally, uh, anecdotes. Um, We're just going to mention a couple of the the highlights so far of the Wild Towns campaign, the Heroes of New Arcadia. Uh, I Uh, think
2: we must start, of course, with Aaron's exploits. Yes, Aaron. I know everyone's familiar with what he did in uh, Andrew's Fortune.
1: Yes, uh, many things, but in particular. He ran away from a prostitute that was hitting on him. Because the, process, the way Dirty World works is you can reduce, shift or alter a character's stats with you know, rhetoric. And so this uh, 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 hooker was trying to corrupt him. And he kept getting, taking hits to his stats and he couldn't stand it anymore. And so what did Aaron do? I suggest, why don't you run away? And he's like, yes. Verily. I <laughs> shall run away.
2: Well, in The Wild Talents, he uh, is slightly just more of a...
1: Well, describe his character, too.
2: Oh, yes. Uh, I think the best way to describe it is Hobo Iron Man. He's someone who I. Yeah, I'm not sure of his origin stories, but let's just say he's a guy in a power armor suit that is homeless.
1: Right. Just so you know, uh, here's the new Arcadia. The basic concept is all the powerful superhumans that have been. You know, this power for superheroes and villains had all disappeared a year ago, and now normal people are starting to get access to superpower technology. Um, So basically, imagine some geeky guy who bankrupts himself to build himself a superpower armor. Or, no, he got power armor from an alien uh, artifact or something like that. Or, no, he he got. From another dimension. Yeah, he got sucked into another. But
2: by the time he came back, they declared him legally dead.
1: Right. So, yeah, he got he, – he went out to try and get alien – he found – I had an area in the Tunguska zone, which is kind of like a crazy, like, rifts-like part where there are uh, random wild portals and gates opening to other worlds. And so people go there risking death and insanity and disease in order to get random alien artifacts that pop out. Mm-hmm. And so Aaron was one of those people who did that. And he got himself a suit of power armor, but he's now, you know –
2: Living on the streets.
1: Yeah, living on the streets. So
2: – And – uh. Yeah, this time uh, I forgot the setup.
1: What well, the courthouse raid? Or are you talking about the, well, uh, uh, the last court- session?
2: I think the last se- it's The last session that was to me it was all the
1: years had was- split up. His lead was that he was trying to find his, oh, a the, the uh, bar syndicate goon. The syndicate is like this criminal organization, and he was trying to find uh, their contact. S- yeah, their con- the syndicate guy, the the syndicate villain, you know, thug, whatever you want to call him, uh, in this dive bar. So. He walked, so he literally, yeah, like,
2: literally like, walked in the door, and in a, in a proud, loud voice said, All right, where are the syndicate people in this place? <laughs> to which all these scuzzy-looking people from the Desperado bar scene yeah. slow, turn and look at him, and then guns and knives are pulled out.
1: Well, I just had three people shoot him with guns. One with a pistol, one with a shotgun, and one with a submachine gun. And um, so Aaron in- Perhaps
2: Aaron got a little cocky with having a power armor suit
1: Yeah, he's like, I've got armor on <laughs> So he
2: didn't die
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, he totally would have died if he hadn't um, But there's this thing in uh, Wild Towns called Spray Where you can do a lot more damage if you put a lot more bullets at somebody
2: Imagine that I
1: know And uh, the the woman with the pistol wasn't doing anything to him The guy with the shotgun, uh, he blasted with his you know repulsor braze mm. or whatever uh, but the guy with the submachine gun emptied its clip into him and he actually I managed to reload. Yeah, and managed to do a lot of damage Aaron. because he actually, you know, aha, the, uh, my armor, you know, takes away uh, two width from all attacks. Well, I got a four width <laughs> attack and I do two damage in uh, shock and killing. Of so. course, as
2: that fight was over, Aaron's like, I made an enormous mistake!
1: <laughs> yeah, I think he got shot two or three times, but. Um, a lot of bullets. Yeah, a lot of bullets. Only, I mean, most of the attacks were did bounce off. Uh, so that was good for Aaron. Yes. But, he, yeah, it was not good. Uh, in the first game, he uh, syndicate goons had taken over federal courthouse and had rigged a bunch of hostages up with bombs that they would detonate if their demands weren't met. So what does Aaron do? He flies in the top roof uh, story of the uh, – through a window in the top story of the courthouse because he sees one of the syndicate goons messing around with a laptop. He's like well, – He's well, fly- laptop. <laughs> I fly through the window and tackle him and is like – just barely manages to uh,
2: no, not kill anyone. Yeah,
1: well, to stop the goons before they detonate the hostages, and um, so yeah, that's been good. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but I think the best moment still has to be uh, Thad, new player, was in his first session uh, last night, and probably had probably the funniest encounter in the game yet. Is he's playing someone who's basically he's a human soul trapped in a robot body. And so we, uh, he's, okay, he went to go, he went to go buy something. Well, you can listen to the actual play for what he was getting. But he was, he was seen from activities before, and a crowd starts gathering around him. Like, dude, like, are are you Because he's a robot, yeah. Yeah, first he's a robot, but also, like, he was, he he was on the news that night. Yeah. So people are taking pictures, and then two cops, the cops show up. And he's, I mean, he's a robot who can actually turn incorporeal.
1: Yeah. But what does he do? He has robot powers and ghost powers. That's his thing, so. But, yeah.
2: You know, so what does he do when this cop says, you need to come down, are you the person, were you involved in the, are you the, one of these vigilantes? You need to come downtown to me. They've asked you some answers and questions. I almost like, almost. I want to say, I don't want to say almost with tears. And I said, like, okay, okay, yeah, I'll go. I'll go with you. So he goes in the back of this cop car, sits quietly. <laughs> the guy, the guy, And the guy's like, hey, can I get a picture of you for my kid? Yeah and then is taken to an interrogation room where the two uh main cop characters who were deal he deal with came in to
1: Detective Walker and Detective Pilgrim because I totally ripped them off from powers. Yeah. Go, you know, starts to,
2: starts to interrogate him and he just, he just stays there answering all their questions, reveals his real name. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, here's what happened to me. I know I'm legally dead. Here, here's my powers. <laughs> and so they let him go because right now that happened in the settings, the cops aren't sure what to do with superheroes. Um, they, so it
2: could be good or could and be he technically
1: good. hadn't committed any crimes yet because rescuing people from a burning building is mm-hmm. a crime and they didn't know about the other shit he'd done. Um, <laughs> but just he could actually hasn't done much yet. I mean, he, he, he well, it was the,
2: his first session.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of felonies, he didn't really commit it. I mean, he didn't burn the bar down, and he didn't. Because um, uh, that also happened um, <laughs> in Aaron's thing.
2: Um, I think Aaron's gonna be the most wanted person in the group.
1: No, that's probably gonna be Jason sooner or later. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, yeah as soon as they figure out what, as soon as they know who, how to pin it on him. Uh,
2: but yeah, it's just I mean he could have gone to say you know just drop through the floor in you know intangible at any moment right but just stayed it's
1: like no i i don't want to use my my character doesn't like using that power so no uh, i'll
2: go i'll cooperate fully
1: yeah. so they let him go they're like all right we know what the ghost robot does and uh yeah. that was beautiful yeah we uh, all can
2: we can we can It was great
1: role played it was just <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow He's you can a better game a little, you know. You don't have to be that, game, but no,
2: He's going to be a good addition to RPPR, yes. I think.
1: So, well, don't jinx it, Tom. Fine. You'll he, be horrible. God, I hate that fat guy. I that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I think that that kind of wraps yeah. us up. Uh, that, that's, so, uh, that does yeah. it. Yeah. This has been uh, RPPR Role Playing Public Radio, episode fifty three. You lie, rhetoric in large right. groups. Oh, and
2: uh, yes, as I said, the title the title is dedicated to the State of the Union tonight. Mm. Yes. If you remember what happened a year ago.
1: Right. You're probably not going to listen to this until tomorrow. I mean, I'm not even going to get this out. Or like,
2: 2012 yeah. when it comes out.
1: Thanks, Tom. You Thanks better. for the vote of confidence there.
2: Anytime, home slice. <laughs> All right.
0: All right. Catch we'll you next see you
2: time.
1: next night. Hey, secret baby,
0: let's me play the style get you tonight.